This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. This is Johnny and John. Hey, uh, John, this week you are um, in your sermon, True Freedom. Is that what's called? True Freedom? No. Yeah, True Freedom. Yeah. Okay, I feel like it was longer than that. Something like that. True freedom. Um, but your your uh, your your uh, main point was the Die Hard quote. Well, Die Hard my movie. main point was no. Well, no. Come on, John. Uh, you took it from the movie. Well, Live sort free, of. Die Hard, something like that. I took it from the passage, but my particular choice of verbiage may have been influenced by the movie. By the movie, gotcha. <laughs> well, let me. Uh, on a side note, you sang this week. You sang this uh, little light of mine. Yeah, I did. And I sort of. Yeah. Well, you sang what I thought was the wrong version. Oh, is that right? You got a newer, a different version. Well, and first of all, you know, just so you know, singing's my job. Uh, Preaching's <laughs> your job. You okay. Know, so just stay. In, Sorry about Stay that. in your lane, John. Stay in the- yeah, no, but uh, I, I, when you were saying, you said, hide it under a bushel. No. Did I, is that what I said? Yeah, that's what you said. I think it's right, actually, because I looked is it up. It? I was like, that's wrong, John. It's, it's hide, it, hide it under a bush. Oh, no. That's oh, how, oh, really? That's all I thought. But I looked it up online, and I think you're right. I think it is bushel. But I think, you know. That is kind of a weird phrasing, isn't it? If you, Yeah, if you're listening out there, then uh, let us know what you think. But I think uh, it really is. Uh, I think you're right. I hate to say that <laughs> on, a, on a recording. But, I just uh, got lucky. You got lucky, yeah. But I think hide it under a bush. Oh, no. that's That should be the way it's done, I think. But Okay. Anywho. Um, Let's go ahead and jump right into this. We're still in the series, New Life. Um, you're talking about freedom in Christ. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you, you mentioned that Paul had written, written to the Corinthians before. Yeah. You know, we have, and almost like there's a third letter. Well, yeah. And that's kind of interesting because, you know, I've always heard of 1 Corinthians and 2 of Corinthians, course. but I've never heard of 3 Corinthians. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that. Okay. And my question to you is, um, why isn't that letter in the Bible? No, that's actually a great question. Um, the simple answer is we don't have it. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody's found it. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, if if it, if we found a, a letter written by Paul somewhere, you know, some jars of clay on in some cave on some cliff like the Dead Sea Scrolls or something like that, um, it would certainly open up a, a really significant debate about whether to include it in in Scripture. Um, you know, as you think about whether, you know, why, why don't we have it? And we don't have it. But if we did have it, would, would it be included? And, and the answer is probably, yeah. Um, but we don't. And, and you almost wonder if, if, if Paul didn't really want it to be included, you know, if this, that was more of almost a private letter or something like that, you know, a lot of letters that were written were, were passed throughout the churches and stuff. And obviously you read Corinth and, and that's not the kind of letter that you necessarily pass throughout all the churches. It's a lot of very direct towards the situation in Corinth, but you know, we don't know all the details of what's in the letter. Um, I think there's a decent chance that Paul didn't really want it, uh, you know, to be, be a letter that was, uh, Included in, in in scripture, if you will, and and I mean God God determines what's in scripture, but but the apostles certainly knew what, knew what they were doing when they were writing scripture. I mean Peter talks about Paul's writings and 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 how it's viewed as scripture and things like that, <clears throat> and how it's difficult, but that we should listen. So so I think I think there's 
you know, that's the short answer is we don't have it. This, you know, but the, the longer answer is it, it's probably not there for a reason. You know, God's providence and, and what he provided uh, is given to us. Scripture is not incomplete. It's whole. It's complete. It's what, what God intended for us to have. We have, um, you know, but certainly if we found it, there would be a, there would be a debate. You think so? Yeah. So that's the question then. So you said God has uh, intended certain things to be in Scripture yeah. and even the apostles knew somewhat what was going to be in scripture yeah. or what was considered um, just going to be canon, I guess. But that's yeah. the question moving forward then is how do we, you know, obviously there's so many letters, there's so many things that have been written by sure. these great men and even other men, even women yeah. um, who've written some great things. And so how do we have the Bible? Is yeah. that a big question? No, well, it is. A, it's can a, more be added to it. I mean, yeah, no, it's a it's a really big question. Um, it's a it's a really great question, um, and one we should consider because a lot of times, you know, we have these things um, that you know these people will come whether it's online or whatever, and uh, and they'll say, oh, you know, the Bible wasn't even around until the you know you know mid fourth century or or you know stuff like that, and um, which really isn't true. Uh, although you know a lot of people kind of like to um, like to like to say that that's that's what happened we have we have very early on we have uh, the books that we have in the Bible there's you know uh, the New Testament there's 27 of them and about 22 of them were were, were being used in the first century of scripture um, and so so it's really not not true it's not like the church you know later looked back at all these different writings and went oh wow you know let's let's just pick and choose our our 27 books that we're going to include um, we have the core of scripture in the first century, um, you know, the letters, the letters of Paul, we have the four gospels, we have, um, you know, there's a, there's a handful of books that there was some, some question about early on. Um, so it wasn't fully formed, but it's not that the church assigned a new Testament. It's the church discovered and recognized what God had given them. And, um, and, and, and it's what we have today. And so, so there's, you know, some important aspects to that, you know, what the contents, who wrote it, you know, some of those kinds of things are really important in, in, in recognizing scripture. Um, but you have John at the end of, at the end of that first century writing revelation and saying, basically saying, Hey, nothing more should be added. Um, he certainly knew what he was saying at the end of revelation when he said that. And, and so we, we have, we have the new Testament and there's actually a, a great, um, little video series. I think it costs like 10 bucks or something like that, but you get like, I think it's six or seven, um, little 20 minute vignettes, if you will, uh, that explain that. And we'll, we'll, we'll maybe put that in the show notes or something like that. But, uh, Ligonier Ministries puts it, puts it on and, and Michael Kruger, I think is the one who, who does a presentation. And it's really, really good in help, helping us understand what we have is not some made up list. And, and that even in the first century, 22 of the 27 books were pretty much decided. Okay. So did they, and didn't they, you know, get together and meet and officially form it in like, was it the Council of Nicene or something like that? Is not, that- no, not, not the Council of Nicene. That, that had to do with, um, that was a, in, in the early 300s and it had to do with the nature of who Jesus was, his, his um, divine nature and his human nature. Um, but much later, and that's why, that's why the date I mentioned, you know, in the 300s, okay. um, and there's a couple different, there's a couple different gatherings that kind of confirm this list. So, so yeah, that happened much later where the church kind of, the church kind of said, here's the list. Um, but the list had been pretty much being used for, for a long time. Okay. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like, 
There was no list. The church was in limbo. Nobody knew what to read. Nobody knew what to study. And then all of a sudden, in the in the in the, in the 300s, all of a sudden, oh, here's your list. Oh, now we know it. To, you know, it wasn't the church wasn't confused for you know 300 and whatever years or two. You know, they whatever that was. They kind of put a stamp on it. This is it. Yeah, they just kind of put a stamp on it. They kind of they kind of confirmed what had already been basically decided. It was it was a confirmation. It wasn't a new list that nobody knew about or anything like that. And so people kind of have this misperception of what canon is. And, and some of that comes from, you know, just defining that word and, and depending on, on your perspective, you, you might define it a little bit different and then you'll come to different dates depending on how you define it. Right. But but the point is this, that, yes, this church came along and said, hey, we're going to we're going to put our stamp on this list, you know, in the, in the 300s and 400s uh, and a couple different gatherings, if you will, that, that confirmed it. But the list had basically been being used since all the way in the first century. And, and so that's what, you know, that's really important for us to understand okay. that, that the scripture was all, already there. It, people knew what to read and, and knew what was considered scripture. And you can go back to um, some of the, the early church fathers and, and, and the way that they treated scripture. And you can look at these lists that either they had a physical list or, or the way they treated certain books and go, oh, yeah, they're treating those as scripture. OK, so it wasn't controversial then. Shouldn't be now. It really isn't. It, yeah. really, it really, you know, there was a few books. Right. That people were confused about and going, oh, I don't know about this one and that one, you know, some some of the smaller books. Um, but but the core of Scripture, 22 out of the 27, pretty much no question. OK. Now, you said that John talked about in Revelation that there's nothing new to be added. Yeah. Is it? I mean, do you see instances where people try to add stuff to oh, Scripture yeah. or God a new revelation or something? Is there um, potential danger in that? Or what do you think? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of danger in it. And yes, it happens all the time. And a lot of times we get these these gospels. Yeah, I mean, these, well, they're called gospels. Um, gospel of Thomas is probably the most famous one, but we have like the gospel of Mary and we have the gospel of the infancy, the infancy gospel of, of Jesus. And we got, you know, I can't remember them all right now. There's a whole bunch of them. A bunch of them came, came from what was called the Nag Hammadi library. And, and it was a a finding much later, but all these got all these quote unquote gospels, um, that were, that were written. These gospels of Jesus weren't written until, until the second century, mid, mid second century. And so they were written long after what we have in the new Testament and nobody really knows who the authors were, I guess I should probably mute my computer yeah. or something. Um, but anyways, was that no, a, that was a fact check alert, fact yeah, check alert, something like that, no. something like that. Yeah. So, so they, um, yeah, so they, they basically, you know, every, every once in a while, Oh, the, the, the secret gospel of this and whatever. And, and it's billed and there's been books written by these very liberal scholars who, who basically say, Oh, we found these other gospels and they tell us the real story, the secret story of Jesus that nobody knows, by the way, including the people who wrote those books, because they weren't alive when Jesus was around. What we have is, is reliable eyewitness testimony um, in many cases, and either either they were eyewitnesses or they or they knew somebody and traveled with somebody who was an eyewitness and had access to those eyewitnesses, and that's what we have in the New Testament, is is uh, in the story in the Gospels specifically, and so it's very reliable what we have, um, and and then they have all these other things, and and it's not that they're worth they're not worth reading, in some sense I guess like I've read the Gospel of Thomas and it's interesting I guess. It's not scripture. It's not historically reliable. Mm-hmm. 
but it's you know it's interesting to read, I guess. Yeah. You just you just got to you just got to consider the source and 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 the validity of the source. And all these other extra gospels came much much later. Yeah. You you know you when you talked about um, vignettes vignettes right? I, I said that word. Yeah, I got hungry because I love. I mean, I love. <laughs> Donuts you love and, baguettes and oh oh I love donuts and mostly <laughs> American donuts but those French donuts are pretty good too so I'm super hungry right now but anyways don't don't mention those things again well see what I, see what I have to work with around here <laughs> all right John so back to serious stuff come on let's yeah. stop joking yeah. around okay. yeah um you talked about living out ministry that yeah. we all should be in a sermon did, did I say those words. You know, I think you did. Okay. I wrote it down as if you did. So okay, so I must have. Fact check. Okay, so fact check. See if your We're computer snopes when you need Yeah, them, yeah, right? exactly. Your computer fact checks us. Um, no, living out ministry. I think you said something like that. We need to all be in ministry in some way. Oh, okay, yeah. You talked about that. Sure. talked about how everybody needs to be doing something like yeah. that. Um, what does living out ministry look like? Uh, within, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you are a pastor, so yeah. that's, you know, obvious, you know, or... But what about the person that is, you know, working a, a nine to five job or, yeah. you know, the stay at home mom or, you know, just people that are, are doing other different kinds of, of vocation? It, yeah, it, do, it doesn't look the same for everybody. And this is really important. Um, it's it, it looks different for different people. And and we need to remember that. But here's the here's the the. The driving force. You know, we were created to work. You, you have Adam and Eve working the garden, taking care of the garden before the fall. Work is a good thing. And we all have different kinds of work. Um, and, and that's great. And, and there's all kinds of work that can be glorifying and honoring to God. And we, we should recognize that. So part of that is working with excellence. But I think that's the very base, right? Like, like that's the absolute minimum of what it means to be in ministry in our, in our jobs and in our lives, right. Is, is to try to do the best we can at what we do. And that's not, you know, we ought not confuse that with being perfect, right? Like nobody, no, there is no perfect carpenter. Well, there might've been one, but there's no other perfect carpenter other than the one, right? There's no perfect lawyer. There's no perfect doctor. There's no perfect, whatever. There's no perfect pastor, uh, at least not at Grace Fellowship. What? (laughs) I know. I've seen Uh, a lot of people. we try to do, yeah, we try, we try to do what we do really, really well as to glorify God, right? Whatever you do, do all the glory of God. But that's a minimum. That's a, that's a minimum. I, you know, I think part of what it means is to open our eyes and look at the people around us and go, how do I minister to the people around us for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do I fulfill the great commission in my workplace and in my neighborhood and so on? How do I, how do, I do that? How do we do that together as a family, what about my kids' school? Are we teaching our kids to be to to view um, their lives in this in this gospel centered way? You know, living a gospel centered life on, on mission for Jesus Christ. When they leave in the morning, do we do we pray with them before we drop them off? Um, and I know it's summer right now, so we, you know. It's, it's, you they're pray, not going to actually, school. You pray for whoever they're staying with all day. You're that, right. That's, yeah. that's what you pray for. Yeah, but do we do we do we do we teach them to to Tell people about Jesus Christ, to pray for people, to to live each day as if they are on mission from God, not as if they're on mission to get a good job, get a college degree, that kind of stuff, as if they are on mission from God for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread uh, here, there, and beyond. Um, you know, is that what we're doing? Um, you know, so some of that might be as a parent, but even as a parent, I think, I think you know, this is a little message to some of the, some of the stay-at-home moms. You know, staying at home and, and saying my kids are my ministry. No, 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 no. That's that's great. 
That's true. And it's true, but it's, but it's only more. part of the truth. Yeah. There's more. And, and we teach our kids how to view the world by how we view the world, right? And so if you go, well, I don't really have to participate in the Great Commission given, you know, the, the, the cause, the mission given to the church because, because I'm, sta- I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, 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 that's not true. You know, we have to find ways uh, to, to be about spreading the gospel, uh, to everybody and or stay at home dad. I've known some stay at home dads too. That happens. You know, whatever the case might be, there's no excuse. Mm-hmm. We're all part of this of this mission um, for Jesus Christ and the church that God has given us. And so I think I think it just means viewing whatever we're doing from that lens and finding people that we can love for the sake of the gospel, um, and 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 then doing it well. But that means using words. When you mentioned when you mentioned living out ministry on Sunday, what I thought about was being in tune with the Holy Spirit, being in tune with God through prayer, through holiness, you know, mm-hmm. trying to really hear and see him clearly so that you could be his hands and his feet to others and being willing to do that when he puts it on your heart. Hey, go pray with that person. Yeah. Go talk to that person. Oh, yeah. oh right now. It's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right now. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I mean, that's the living out the ministry. It's just kind of being responsive to whatever God is doing and then having a clear understanding of what he wants. Because sometimes we can mess that up and we just get the, the message wrong or we get, you know, we we don't hear it. Right. Because we have maybe sin in our life or we're uh, prioritizing other things and sometimes we don't. Yeah, live out that ministry well. Yeah, well, and that and that's and that's what you know. It's interesting because in the passage, you know, Second Corinthians three, what we were talking about is that is verse twelve, where it says, "Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, right?" And that's that that openness word, that frankness. Um, and I think that we we're just too shy with our faith. You know, let's just be who we are. I'm not going to apologize for, for being a follower of Jesus Christ and for list, reading scripture and believing that that's how I should see the world and that's how everyone should see. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to be open and honest about it. And whatever happens from there, I, you know, audience of one, right? I'm more concerned about what Jesus thinks than what anybody else thinks. Yeah. And I think in our, in our culture, in our society, when we look around, we see that people are really craving people who are doing something and are sold out to something and live passionately for that. And it's, it doesn't really bother us, actually. We kind of like that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of flip-flopping. There's a lot of, you know, identities changing, you know, over the course of time. If you look at, like, going back in Instagram or whatever, you look at back at old pictures, you're like, they just look so different. Right. And now they're into this thing, and now they're into this thing. But right. you just, when you have some person who's sold out, whether it's uh, fitness, they're always sold out on fitness, or they're always sold out on, on the music right? they like. Yeah, it's like, that's just... This is cool. Like they're sticking with it, or this guy or girl has played in this band for forever, or, or always plays music. It's like okay, there you go. Like you're actually sold out to something, right. and you're passionate. And it might bug some people, but I think most people do like it and they appreciate that. Well, I think they they like the the singular focus. You know, they like the passion, and and they're attracted to that. But it matters what we're passionate about. And you know, I have I have secondary passions in my life, but my you know, but my main passion is Jesus Christ, right? And that's and that's how we all should be. We can have secondary passions. We can have things that we're excited about. But even in those things, those things all serve the greater passion, you know, the greater focus. As a matter of fact, um, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit. And it's really kind of about education and, and well, it's about people who succeed and what's different about them. Because it's not intelligence and, and talent and things like that. It's grit. It's determination. And she calls it... Um, was it passion combined with perseverance, I think, is, is how she defines grit. But one of the things she talks about is having this overarching goal for our life 
that all our other goals serve that goal in some way. And so, and, and for, for the Christian, I think that has to be the gospel of Jesus Christ, that overarching goal in some way. Now it could be that it's, you know, I think of, of Hannah Vogel, you know, um, and she went out to the mission, Hannah Arik, who became Vogel or Arik's her maiden name, but she, she, you know, and, and her, her passion might be, I'm going to bring the gospel to kids in Africa. Okay, that's fine. That's a specific way that she's applying that. Maybe, maybe as a lawyer or a doctor or a whatever a construction worker or whatever, your your overarching goal is is I'm going to use the skills that God's given me, whether it's carpentry or whatever, and I'm going to use those things in service to this overarching goal of being a reflection of Jesus Christ in that industry in some way or whatever, something like that. Gotcha. Well, John, what you said, everything you just said now is wrong, and I totally, <laughs> totally disagree, and I'm confronting you right now about okay. that. All right. Um, <laughs> no, actually, that leads me to my next question. You talked about confrontation a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I did being, a little bit. And, and I really do. Um, I feel like there is a balance. It's hard. It's hard because sometimes you see people that are hyper-confrontational, yeah, yeah. and you're like, ah, no, I do not like that. That's yeah. terrible. And then you see people who are very passive. Yeah, and, and don't really want to stir the pot or whatever. Right, and I think there's a sweet spot in the middle. Can you describe what that sweet spot might look like? I don't know. I mean, it's I hard, think right? You and I are on other on a we're a little different. We're, we're on different ends of that spectrum a little bit, or at least ten. Our tendencies are. Uh, it is hard. Um, I don't. You know, we call people. You know, there's these Christians out there. I've actually had to. This is going to sound crazy, but, you know, unfriend some people on my face and block some people on my Facebook because they they presented themselves as Christians. And I use that terminology very specifically. Okay. Very intentionally. Yeah. Very intentionally. Yeah. They presented themselves as Christians, but then they were just jerks. They were just it was all about getting in somebody's face, including mine, which is kind of weird because we probably believed in general the the same kind of things. Um, But. You know, but I wasn't enough of a Jesus jerk for them, but they were total Jesus jerks. Okay. You know, Jesus jerks are jerks, you know, just because they're, they think they're being jerks on behalf of Jesus, but Jesus would never treat people that way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And so there is that side of things. And then there's a side of things where where we're just, I don't know, uh, too shy, too passive, too whatever. Or or even just to embrace some of the world's thinking about things and not say anything about it. Yeah, we just want people to be happy. We think if we if we uh, if we go the way of the world, that that will somehow be attractive to the world. But the world already has the world, and they don't want the world, and they don't want the world. Really, no, we don't. don't we don't anyways. want. The, I mean, most of them. I yeah. mean, when you when you get when you sit down and you really think about it, we don't want the world. They're searching for something. Yeah, but, you know, that's the answer's not there. And the answer, yeah, and they they, they might think the answer's there for a time, or they you know maybe even their whole life. I don't know, but. You know, but yeah, so I think I think there is a sweet spot, but I think the sweet spot is probably a little bit of a moving target. It depends on the context, the situation, right? Okay. You know, so there is a time to be a little bit more confrontational and there's a time to be a little bit more um, um, measured, maybe is a word that I would use rather than passive. I don't think we're ever to be passive, but we might be more measured, you know, more strategic. Um, and, and we're always to love, whether we're speaking truth, which we should always be doing. Um, you know, or in a moment, keeping our mouth shut for a moment that it ought to be out of love and out of, out of what is best for the world. And, and, and the idea that somehow through this, I'm going to proclaim Christ. Yeah. I think that's the kind of the key where you just said, even just wait for a moment in some ways, 
Because yeah. sometimes when the confrontation, people who are highly confrontational usually do it out of anger if they're highly confrontational yeah. or frustration or they don't want to work on something in their own life. But the reality is there should be a pause. There should be a reflection. Yeah. Say, God, is this, is this something you want me to say? Is it... Am I, do I have their best interests at heart or am I morally, or am I mostly concerned about myself yeah. in this situation? I think if it's, if it's mostly a, a self thing, I think you need to stop and, and really work through that and just let it go maybe. Yeah. But if it is something that they need to hear for their own sake, then you probably need to say something to yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, while you're saying that, you talked about that you block certain Facebook people. I just looked you up. We're not Facebook friends right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought we interesting. were. Huh. Yeah. And then apparently I'm not on your, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know what, what happened there. Really yeah, getting uncomfortable. I, I, I think people would have a hard time, you know, seeing you as a Jesus jerk. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm definitely <laughs> not a Jesus jerk. I'm, I'm more me, of a, maybe, but not you. No, you're still, you're still good. I, I try to be good. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, you talked about idols um, a yeah. little bit in the thing, and and you know, one thing that you said that kind of has been sticking with me a little bit on the podcast is that John Calvin said that our hearts are idol makers. Yeah, and it really is true. And we need to constantly be dying to that stuff and killing yeah. those things off because they constantly pop up. But not obviously when we think about idols, we're thinking about sinful things and things that we put before God. But what do you think about, you know, other things? I mean, even like folly or, you know. Yeah, there's, no, absolutely. Are there other forms of not even idols, but other things that are just as dangerous as idols? Well, I would say I would say that, um, and, and I'm, this might be what you were driving at with that question, you know, that, that not just because something isn't sin doesn't mean it can't be an idol. Uh, we, we can definitely make idols of things that are, that are good. Um, you know, an example might be, um, or at least something that's neutral money, right? Which we'll talk about in a few chapters here in, 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 in second Corinthians when we get there, but in chapters eight and nine, but you know, but money can be an idol, and it can be, but it's, you know, what did Jesus say? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. So when money is more neutral, can you, it can be used for evil. It can be used for good, right? We can, it can show our generosity or it can show our selfishness. Um, and, and so, you know, so, so there are examples, there's good things, you know, loving our kids, our kids can become idols. Our kids good. Yes. Did God command us to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth? Absolutely. hundred percent. We should have kids. We should love them. Uh, we should be good parents. But when we begin to worship our children, then, then these good things that these gifts that God has given us have become idols. And, and, you know, and all of a sudden it's all about my kids and I don't love my husband the way I should anymore. Or I don't love God the way I should anymore because now I just love my kids. Okay. That's, that's an idol. That's an idol. So yeah, even good things can become idols. Um, if, if they're put in the wrong order and it's a constant battle to, to, to have our, 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 um, priorities correct in that. Hmm. Um, we're going to kind of wrap it up a little bit. We got a, a question from one of our, um, listeners out there, uh, that said that the Israelites had the fear of the Lord yeah. when Moses' face was shown after being in God's presence. However, as the light faded, their fear and respect of the Lord wavered also. This is so true in our culture today. How do we keep a healthy fear of the Lord when our culture doesn't have a fear in the Lord? You know, I mean, that's 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 a good question. I, I think the Israelites, when they were when they um, when they when they would see God's glory, had fear. Right. We talked about that a little bit on Sunday, Exodus, 20, you know, 30, uh, um, 32 to 34. Anyways, you know, the the 
the idea was that Moses's face reflected God's glory and the Israelites were afraid because God's glory was so significant and they saw that reflected in, in Moses' face, right? And so they had this fear. I think, I think the reality is, and, and the, I think the person who asked the question is exactly right, you know, as the, as the glory faded from Moses' face, they lost fear. Um, and it's not even so much even in that situation, but really throughout Israel's history, they would often lose fear. I don't, as Christians, I think we ought to take God's judgment seriously. And I think when we do that, then we can, we can in a healthy way appreciate, um, you know, God's things like God's wrath. That's the Bible talks about, which nobody likes to talk about those things. Cause we, we, we don't, we don't want God's wrath, right? We, we want God's love and God's grace and kindness, kindness and mercy, but he, he is righteous, holy, just, you know, even wrathful. He, he's, he's angry at sin. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this whole, he hates sin even. And, and so this whole thing, we, we, we kind of want to ignore those passages. I think when the Christian takes those seriously and we recognize that God's judgment is coming for, for those who, um, who refuse him and refuse uh, his message, that there is judgment coming, that that will help us uh, maintain that fear in a healthy way. But we are also called God's friends. Or, you know, or, or we're all, you know, Jesus also talks about, about being God's friend. And so we can be God's friend and, and that can be a really positive thing too. So we just got to hold both of those things as true. God is graceful, merciful, and kind and loving and, and et cetera. And God is all these other things as well. And he's, he's all of those in perfect um, harmony. Like they, they, they all work together. And so God's wrath and justice are satisfied in Jesus's death on the cross and and um, and that's also where we find his kindness, his love, and his mercy because Jesus bore that penalty instead of us, um, and that's available to anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So I, I don't know that there's a real clear answer. Like we, that's an individual thing, and our culture is going to reject God's message. No matter, so it doesn't matter what they do. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and you know, we're we're gonna talk a little bit about this coming Sunday. You know, um, when it when it talks about about. Uh, people who are perishing, being blinded, um, you know, to God, to God's message, to God's glory. And so, and so there's, you know, there's, there's kind of this thing, but it's not God who blinds them. So you have to come on Sunday if you want to, if you want to get the rest of that. There you go. Or, but, or listen to the podcast. Or, teaser. or, or listen to the podcast next if week. If you're not, or, if you're not in the area. Or ideally you just do both. Yeah. If you're in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Come on Sunday. And then you can listen to the message a second time. And then you can listen to the podcast about the message. It's going to be so, it's going to be so amazing. It's going to be amazing. Now, John, I think uh, when it comes to keeping a healthy fear and respect as a believer, my thing is I always go back to the fact that God disciplines those that he loves. He does. You're right. And he and just talks about that. And so what's so, what's so good to remember is if I, if I continue to walk in this sinful pattern, yeah, then the, the divine spanking is going to come and it's for my own good and it's because yeah. he loves me but that is the I want to say the judgment it's just more the correction yeah just always remembering that yeah um, that God does love us and he will he discipline us little, and yeah, he will not allow us to continue so let's just go ahead and repent now yeah well, well right? nobody wants a timeout no one wants a divine timeout or a little divine spanking yeah and sometimes we need those and, and you know so, well, uh, any besides the um, Ligonier Ministries that you talked about earlier, any other resource you'd recommend? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I'll recommend. I'll just say there's there's a lot of information out there on the canon and and how we got scripture and um, you know some some good websites, some bad ones too. So be careful what you read, obviously. Um, but I think other than, you know, but the Ligonier one, I'll put that up in the in the show note or in the uh, 
in the description. And in, you know, like I said, it costs a little bit, but the lectures are really, really good. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about having my son watch them. Uh, we'll see. It's a little heady for, for a 13 year old, but, um, but no, not other than that. I think that's, I think those are good resources. All right. So John, what's the big idea for this week? You have to die hard before you can live free in Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.